The following podcast is a next level production. They entombed her in her heart. But someone's gone and opened up the door. That someone being. She wouldn't. She would. What? Sacrifice your child surprise to get her magic back? You bet your bloated biceps she would. Panelers, welcome back to the show. I'm Steve. And I'm Lara. And this is going to be a spoiler-full podcast for the seventh episode of The Witcher Season 2. And Lara, I'm not even going to try to say that title, so I'm going to let you give us the title and synopsis this week. Okay, I'll go for it. Um, this week's episode is Volith Mir. Geralt turns to a humble bard for help. Yennefer realizes just how special Ciri is and tensions rise on the eve of the Emperor Emir's visit to Sintra. I had some confusing things in this episode, so maybe when we get to our uh, when we get to the discussion, we'll be able to to uh, to, to figure some things out because I was I was confused, but then my confusion was some of my confusion doesn't matter because the characters that I was confused about are dead, so um, <laughs> we're not going to have to worry about them in the next episode. But uh, uh, tell me, what did you think of this? Uh, what were your initial thoughts on this one? An amazing episode, penultimate episode this week, 10 out of 10 chicken-legged witch huts. Huts. <laughs> I had so many laughs, mainly from Yaskir and the dwarves, and so many hell yeah moments that we're going to get into. I loved it as well. It was it was so good. I mean, there was there was so much kind of jam-packed into it, and it's setting up for that, that final episode that we're going to get to, um, but that ending... Man, both times watching it, it was it was tough to not just go uh-huh. to the next one because that when we'll we'll talk about it when we get there. But my goodness, that ending, uh, whoosh! I don't know. Next I was uh, I was sitting in the drive in the in the p- dark parking lot of my daughter's ballet s- uh, studio when watching this because that's where most parents hang out and wait for their kids. And I'm watching it in there, and I swear people must have seen me in there like throwing my arms up in the air and laughing and clapping. <laughs> This did have a little bit of everything, and uh, I can't wait for us to get into it. Uh, So before we go any further, as we do each week, we'll talk about uh, what was new. Well, there wasn't anything new. No new characters characters this this episode, but we do get some returning ones, uh, which I loved. I was absolutely just delighted over the top to see Yarpin Zegrin, one of the the elves we saw in in the the dragon episode. They're dwarves, right? Mm -hmm. They're not elves. Dwarves. They're dwarves. Right. Okay. Dor- the dwarves we saw in that dragon episode in season one, along with his whole band uh, of following him. And I have a note in uh, in my notes about even the female dwarves seem to have beards. <laughs> so I thought that was that. really, really <laughs> cool. All right. So with that, we can get into our top five. Zola, you've been here before. The woman I left says she took me in. She was kind to me. A dream. I first heard your name was in this house. Same day Geralt found me. That's why the portal took us here. We felt safe. Should I try again? Get us back to Geralt? No. That was impressive, but no. Let's keep our insides on the inside. 
And as we do every week, Laura, why don't you kick us off? Okay, so um, my point number five was uh, whenever, wherever, we're meant to be together. <laughs> Yay, the bromance lives! <laughs> so we get the return of uh, the Geralt and Yaskir bromance. Um, the setup is that Geralt has asked Nenica to portal him somewhere. <clears throat> we don't know where he's going, but we find out it's to Oxenford to break Yaskir out of prison. We uh, hear this voice singing in the jail cell, voice of an angel, but merry and cheeky as always, even when in jail. <laughs> and even though he was hurt by Geralt, I love um, how he's just sitting there in jail, sees the one of the guards get knocked out and, and continues to sing his, his merry song about the... The prison, the prison keeper being a whore son. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even though he's mad at Geralt, he, he just says, fuck it, gives him a big hug. All is forgiven, but he does give him a little bit of a dressing down. Telling him, you don't yes. just tell me to fuck off and leave me on top of a mountain. Look at these boots. I had to slide all the way down the mountain. <laughs> yeah, I loved I loved them getting back together. It was really cool. And, and Yaskier did everything except you had me at hello. You know? <laughs> it was, I was just it was really, really great. But that that moment when Geralt says, you know, I, I, I need you and you just see Yaskier's face just go <gasps> like he, <laughs> he needs me. It's like all he's ever dreamt of. <laughs> Yes, yes. It, it's a wonderful, wonderful bromance that we just, uh, we haven't had enough of it this season. And so I hope uh, moving forward, we don't have these guys uh, breaking up again, even though we do see them, they kind of part ways at the end, but they're going to have to come back together uh, now. But we'll we'll talk about that when we get to the, the end of the episode. So yeah, they gave me a, a birthday gift too this week. It was my birthday. That's when I watched it. And not only did we get Yaskir in an episode, not only did we get a reunion between Yaskir and Geralt in an episode, but but we get to see Yaskir take off his shirt and take a bath. <laughs> I guess it's his <laughs> turn to take a bath this season. And oh my bejesus. Under all that prim prom, prim and, and pomp and everything. Yaskir's a beast. That dude is more shredded than confetti. <laughs> what the hell? Why is he not that. fighting? Why is he not fighting with Geralt? Well, you know, he doesn't have the bloated biceps that, uh, that Geralt has. So... <laughs> He's not taking enough uh, Witcher elixir, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so my first one is is really it's it's some more confusion, or maybe not confusion really, but just about the fact that there's still they seem to be able to track Siri wherever she goes. I mean, uh, we see that Rince was somehow at that cabin that Siri had hid out in mm-hmm. at the in in season one with that family. You know, where she had that moment of of quiet where you thought, oh, gosh, she's actually somebody's helping her and protecting her. And I don't remember why she did. She leave just because the the, the soul. I don't remember why she left. Why she left Zola that. Well, first she was no, going to run a, uh, in the first season or that was the family that protected her in the first season who gave right, her shelter. Right. Right. And she just left because she had to move on. Well, I think she left them because she didn't want to put them in danger because she knows that some bad people are after her. But then as she was escaping the house, that's when she found Geralt, too. So she left with him. Okay. Okay. And then we have Yennefer, you know, she lies about Nilfgaard having having Geralt, which they end up meeting up 
there at Centra anyway, and because that's where the, the the monolith doorway is. But it ended up being that the the witch didn't even need Siri to go through the go through the doorway. Hmm. She and we'll talk some more about how the witch was able to get released from her. But it just it was it was un, the whole thing was kind of really unclear to me with that. Just what was the plan? Yeah, the, the whole time because like the the deathless mother is telling is telling Jennifer to bring Siri to the monolith, and so she almost gets to the monolith, and then uh, you, you know uh, Jennifer or Siri admits to Jennifer that she's the one that broke the monolith and that kind of makes Jennifer realize just how powerful Siri is. And then we see her do this, this shout that breaks the castle, mm-hmm. you know, and brings the soldiers running to, to come get her. But there's a moment in there also in that Jennifer Siri conversation where Siri admits that Geralt is the father she never had. Yes. And, I, I this note is just running com- the complete gambit, but <laughs> you know, um, and and also we get Yennefer admitting that there's something more between her and Geralt than just you know the genie wish. She's she's starting to think maybe there is something more here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. That's that was one of my major highlights was uh, the quest of Siri and Yennefer. I don't know if we just want to continue talking yeah, about that yeah. one. Yeah. But to your point of, um, well, first of Rience finding that hut that I mean the uh, the home of the family that took Syrian, I I just kind of chalked that up to his detective work. I mean he's been set on this path to find Siri. Some people uh, and Lydia did tell him that the last place she was seen was in. Um, a marketplace just outside of, of some town. And so he probably went there. He might have even, you know, talked to some people who saw her leave with Zola. So he was probably able to track them down and probably tortured them trying to get some information on Siri. So that's what I, I okay. just kind of deduced, obviously. Uh, you know, it's just me kind of putting some random points together. But um, sure. with Yennefer, what were you asking about Yennefer? About... What was just confusing? It was well. The, oh, the we'll the fact that in. she didn't really need to take her to the 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 shattered door to give her to release the mother, the deathless mother. Um, yeah. Well, my theory about that, and I don't know if we want to talk about how she escaped her hut, but um, you know, she was it her. Or was it someone else who said that she she thrives on desperation and pain, and that's why mm-hmm. even that's she said Geralt, to yeah Geralt, yeah Geralt says that yeah yeah, and in the you know the the episode where she actually meets um, Francesca, Frangilla, and Yennefer, she tells Yennefer, "You're I, I want your desperation baked some more. You know, I want you know before I before I take, I want you to bake a little more." So. One of the things that happened that I think helped to um, release her from her imprisonment is, first of all, you know, Frangilla thinks that she's getting her wish because she's given power and then she loses it. Francesca thinks she's getting her wish because she has her child and then she loses it. And Yennefer, who refused to do, to cut a deal with 
the witch. She <clears throat> she walked away from him, but she basic in her desperation she called on the witch, and the witch said, "Go find this this um, girl Siri and bring her to me." So that kind of forced Yennefer to betray Geralt, the one thing that Geralt cares about the most take her away, abduct her, and that, um, you know, that kind of creates her own desperation because not only does she lose Siri, but she also, which she believes is the only way she's going to get her magic back, but she also loses Geralt. Because I was kind of thinking, I wonder if the Deathless Mother was even going to be able to give Yennefer her powers back even if she did bring her Siri, or if that was just a play to get her to do something she wouldn't normally do. Yeah, I, I no, I I don't think so. I I think I think you're completely right. And and as you were saying that, I was turning it over in my head. And what I realized is through the, what we what we're seeing here is the deathless mother Volif Mir, the demon, has had basically multiple irons in the fire. She's mm-hmm. had multiple ways that she can be released, and she knows that okay, yeah, if you if you bring Siri to the monolith and and I'm able to draw her to the hut. Then I can use her power to escape. Or if Frangilla, you know, gets enough, de- like you said, enough desperation losing her power, I'll I'll get enough power to escape. But it was ultimately Francesca, the baby being murdered. And mm-hmm. I've got this later in my notes as well. So we may this we may come back to this again. That's the ultimate act of desperation and pain that gives her the power to break out of the hut. Mm-hmm. I think that's basically what Geralt says there at the end when they find the empty hut he says oh she must have gotten enough she must have drawn in enough pain and desperation that she was able to escape our bonds yeah and she was clever because she made them think they i mean what's the most what is the best way to feel pain and desperation when you think the thing that you long for the most is in your grasp and then to have it taken away Yes, you have this great, great swelling hope, and then it just gets dashed. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. Okay, okay. Um, So that was your second one? Um, Yeah, actually, that was my first, but... um, Okay. We can jump around. We'll move it around. Um, I just really loved how, as we are watching Yennefer and Ciri travel together on this quest, um, we actually see them bonding a little. I personally would have actually liked to see more of that. I feel things have been a little bit rushed this season. I would have liked to see her bond more with Geralt, too. But when they're in the, uh, the house and... Yet uh, Siri comes upon the the murdered family. Yennefer actually stands in front of her and tries to guard her from having to see that. And then when um, she's trying to teach her magic to raise the bridge, and uh, Siri just tries so desperately and so hard to to use her magic that her eyes actually start bleeding, and she actually trans. Tra- um, I don't know what teleports them basically them and the horses like right across the bridge and you know Yennefer holds her in her hands and says never be ashamed of your power you know and she just she really started feeling it, it seemed to me like her and Siri were starting to get the kind of bond that her and Taseya have that mentor to student bond or even mother-daughter bond Okay. Okay. I I was so confused in that in that instance when because when you know Siri fails to lift the bridge and then she yells, you know, and suddenly 
Yennefer goes, well, I guess that's one way to do it. I didn't realize that's what had happened, is she had teleported them across... Across the river. The river. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't... I, I was so... I was just like, what do you mean? It's You're still stuck. But no, okay, that's what got them across the... Gotcha, okay. And at that's first I thought it was just them, but you see at the as the scene is closing, they're walking and the, the horses are over there too, so she teleported all of them across the river. Right, right. Okay, so she has a raw magic power that just yes. yeah, succumbs to and her wishes. and It's powerful. She just can't control it, like she tells Yennefer. And that may, that may answer your question about, you know, we didn't see any new monsters come out no. when she used her magic. Not At least we didn't time. see them. Now, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. We just didn't see it. So. Yeah. We did see the Let's cool mind about... meld, though. <laughs> we talked that, yes. about that for a minute. Siri yeah, goes to touch yeah. Jennifer, and oh, I love the direction, the way it just went and super focused on them in that kind of vignette. Yeah, and there's that moment between them where Jennifer, it, it like I said, the, the second time, I, and I had the subtitles on both times, but I really had to pay attention, to, and I was glad the subtitles kind of labeled who was saying what, because it could have been confusing if you didn't see that it was Yennefer was telling Siri, if you're not sure 100% about this, you need to run. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that the... She was, almost was... was I think she was... Like, this whole time, she was doubting herself whether she actually wanted to take Siri to the Deathless Mother or not. And I think at the end there, that was her kind of telling Siri to, to, to leave, to get away. Because she she said it was too late for her. She was like, if you're, you know, you can leave. Just leave. Right, right. Okay, so that's that's kind of what I thought was, was going on there, that she was basically telling Siri, you need to run, because even though I can't get away from her, you can still get away mm-hmm. from her. So, okay. Yeah, okay. and I also loved, um, there was one more thing in here that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, just the point that we keep see, hearing Volithmir, Volithmir, in Yennefer's head, just constantly needling her, constantly saying, "Come on, you're so close, you're so close." Oh, um, so Siri mentions to Yennefer that she knew that mage and and the Maletti, Malet, Malet, Matelli, Matelli brothers. I can't remember, but the guys who came and invaded the temple school. Um, I was wondering if she did. Do you think Yennefer could have led them to Siri? I I don't think so because I think what we're seeing there was we're seeing the the multiple things that the witch had mm. working for her. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I don't think Yennefer led them to the temple because remember we had that scene with Lydia. And Rince, where she tells him, oh, you're going to need a crew to attack that temple. We talked about that. Yeah. So so they already knew Siri was at the, the temple. So mm-hmm. I don't think Yennefer had anything to do with – she may have known them or known about them. But I don't think she had anything to do with them getting to the temple or getting into the temple. That There was a lot of stuff last week that was just kind of yada yada in a way that we didn't really – If she did – if she did uh... – you know, work with them or were some, was somehow in league with them, that would kind of explain how she found Siri at the temple school. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't think to... she would work with that guy, but I don't know. Siri brought it up, so I'm like, whoa, was Yennefer involved with them? Mm, okay. 
I yeah, I just don't I just don't see it. I really think Yennefer was there independent mm-hmm. of those. Like I I think she was I, I no, I think let me restate that. I think what we saw this episode and what you just indicated with with uh, with hearing the deathless mother's whispers in everybody's head, mm-hmm. I think everybody was working for her independently and they didn't realize that okay. the others were. So so I think I think Rince and his guys were because I, I don't and obviously unless we unless we find out that Lydia's employer was somebody different, which we may not ever get, I don't know. We're we'll talk about that that whole thing uh when we get to one of my points. But mm-hmm. I, I think they were all kind of independently working for the Deathless Mother and they didn't realize it. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like I think each and, and like like she was counting on each thing, she had multiple opportunities that were gonna help her escape. Yeah. And all of them kind of working together is what is what uh, uh, got her out of there. So, cool. That was it. Um, let's let's talk for a minute about this the this continuing strife between Frangilla and Kahir and those other generals uh, that we have there. You know, we have this this this. It's kind of a this this conversation between. Kahir and Frangilla and this other, the other guy who I never figured out what his name was. I just uh, put him as General Dickhead in my notes. Okay, General <laughs> Dickhead. Um, you know, he, they're talking about how the, the elves aren't trustworthy, how they didn't show up for, for muster. And they, they're, and then suddenly when she goes and she meets with Phil and Francesca, she finds out that, yeah, we're, we've changed our mind. We're not going to help you anymore. And suddenly Frangilla sees all of her, like you said, all of her power is suddenly slipping away mm-hmm. because now she doesn't have this elven army that she was going to be able to tell the emperor, hey, look, I brought all these extra soldiers that are going to fight for us because now the elves aren't going to do it. And it, it was great that that moment you could see the break between Francesca and Frangilla in that mm-hmm. moment when Francesca says, you're not family. Mm-hmm. You're not blood. And suddenly... You're not blood. Yeah. And we suddenly realized that Francesca is saying, is saying, no, we may have had some sort of tentative alliance, but it's gone. Now that I have a child, now that, and this was where, this is what makes her, her desperation, her pain, like you said before, is so much more heightened because she suddenly saw a future for the elves. She saw civilization. She saw them being able to live on and on and you know the the human general dickhead he's worried because the elves live longer and he's like suddenly we're gonna have centuries they're gonna live for centuries and we're gonna die out mm-hmm. you know and and so it's it's really interesting that whole the political machinations kind of that are that are going on there about and we get again that repeat from uh the and the the, the king that dystra works for uh, Where Ves- they're talking Vesemir? about, uh, or no, not Vesemir. Yeah, it's another back. Emir thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'd have to go back some uh, notes. <laughs> uh, but but he says the same thing still that if they can get a hold of Siri and control Siri, they'll they'll be in power. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, that actually goes into one of my other points in my one of my highlights, which was number four, is now number three. Um, Frangilla handles it. <laughs> Because that's what she tells uh, Kahir when General <laughs> Dickhead is sitting there um, pe- patronizing her and saying, you know, oh, this is a leader. A leader can't do what I can do. And he goes and hangs some poor elf child who was just trying to find food. Um, 
And so, you know, Francesca says she's going to handle it, goes and talks to the elves. But like you said, they, they've had a change of heart. Um, like, she was... Her storyline in this episode was just as good as all the other ones. There, there were some great storylines in this episode. Um, but she goes to visit her uncle Arturius at... at um, Eratusa, thank you. Damn all these names. <laughs> yeah. And he tells her that, you know, he gives her this whole speech about, you know, how some mages, you know, first she's going to have to come to the Brotherhood of Mages and apologize, basically grovel in front of them for for aligning with Nilfgaard. And then, you know, he says some mages, you know, they just, they want power and some of them know their place and basically tells her she he's glad that she knows her place, basically. So it's just to be this subservient... Um, mage who just works for all these rulers and and does nothing so you know she takes that speech he gives her and it basically pushes her over the edge after having to deal with Kahir and General Dickhead and Francesca breaking up their alliance and the elves deciding they're not going to fight for Nilfgaard anymore. Uh, We have this awesome scene (laughs) where the generals are sitting there you know dumping on on Frangilla again and all of a sudden they're frozen and this was she is so ruthless so brutal so ruthless just goes up there and like tells them uh you know I don't really appreciate a lot of the stuff I learned in Eratusa but I did learn botany and I did learn how to hide nightshade in mead and basically paralyze people yeah that was just absolutely brutal she pushes the knife through that one guy's <sighs> eye she and the crazy thing is like they're frozen but you could see their eyes moving so they know everything that's going on yeah they can feel everything oh. and then she gets to Kahir and she says like I kind of understand that like if she killed Kahir she needs Kahir alive because mm-hmm. she needs somebody to tell the emperor that what she did was justified. Yes. Whereas if if she kills everybody, the emperor comes in, she can say whatever he whatever she wants, but he may or may not believe it. Oh yeah, she's definitely hung after that. But if it was a righteous mutiny, then she needs Kahir to be her ally. Right. She needs Kahir to back her up, and that's basically what she says. He says, "Make sure you tell Emir when he comes in about this mutinous you know, discussion that was going on. And mm-hmm. I'm like, they weren't really, Oh, I see. You know, it was like, I had that moment in the second watch. Cause the first watch, I was super confused. And the second watch, I was like, Oh, she's basically telling him you better lie or I'm going to kill you too. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I think that, uh, her actions, uh, basically tell teaches Kahir and should probably teach all of them. Never mess with the mage. I mean, they have magic and it's pretty powerful magic too. Um, as she was sticking that knife in general dickhead's eye, she says something and I had to put the captions on because after hearing it so many times, I couldn't understand what she was saying, but that's also because the deathless mother was speaking through her and she said that she learned, <clears throat> on the day she left Eratusa, she learned a lesson from Yennefer when Yennefer took her seat at the kingdom she was supposed to go to. And she says, whenever a lesser light tries to steal what is yours, you do not, you do not sit there and take it. <laughs> but she said it was such vile, like, venom in her vo- voice. It was so crazy. That Very actress good. did a yeah. great job in that scene. 
So it's going to be interesting when we see next week what uh, what the political ramifications are of this and when the emperor comes in, what's he going to think? What's Kahir going to say? Is he going to back her up? Is he not? You know, it, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Next week, we're going to find out what's going to happen with Nilfgaard. And uh, we got a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff they got to wrap up I next think, week. Uh, maybe they... I think Kahir is pretty much shitting his pants right there. <laughs> he's gonna, Absolutely. He's going to sing like a bird. But her praises, that is. And the one last thing I had in that um, whole Frangilla story was, I believe, it's my theory, but it could have been anyone else because this baby caused a lot of turmoil in um, Sintra. But I believe that it was Frangilla who didn't kill the baby herself, but she probably hired someone to kill that baby because that baby was standing in the way of her having the elves on their side. Yeah, I was wondering that if we're, who who is going to, if we're going to find out who I'm assuming we're going to find out who murdered the baby, but that was the, the, after I watched it the first time, I must've blinked or something the first time, because when I was watching it the second time, I thought the baby just died. And then I, when I watched it for the second time, obviously it got to the end. I was like, Oh no, the baby didn't just die. He was, she was murdered by Mm -hmm. somebody. Like somebody went into the crib and killed the baby. I'm like, we got to find out who that is. And and like you said, I think, I think you might be right. I think you might be on the, uh, on the right track there that it was either Frangilla or Frangilla directing somebody to do it. Maybe. No, it wouldn't be Dara because Dara had already uh, broken off with Dykstra. So. And that's like the second baby to die in two seasons. So horses and babies do not fare well on this series. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, Which that kind of leads into my, my next one, which is Dykstra's visit to Eratusa. Which I think it was interesting that he knows that Triss is there. He knows that she was in the mountains. Um, he knows about Siri. He knows everything, basically. And I'm mm-hmm. assuming a lot of that is probably because he got a lot of information from Dara before Dara left um, Redania. But he also is is still – he must have spies in other places and stuff. And we find out that, that, that his kingdom still wants – Siri, Nilfgaard still want everybody still wants Siri, and the Deathless Mother is going to be the one who actually gets her though. Mm-hmm. And we'll see that at the end, and we'll see how that how that plays out going forward. But Dystra was interesting in this in this episode. He was kind of all over the place. Yeah, he was, and and apparently that owl is a spy, or you know, Dystra airmail yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I think like we talked about before, I think he can see through the owl's eyes and he can probably hear through the owl's ears. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm assuming. Like when Dara was talking, but it, it's, it's also weird because the Dara didn't talk to the owl like that. He, he cause he says, tell Dykstra mm-hmm. I'm done. Yeah. You know, so. And one of the scenes we get Dykstra talking to the owl. So it's almost like the, the right. he was talking to someone else in the room. Yeah, so maybe the owl is just like his familiar and it can communicate with him. He doesn't actually see through its eyes, but... Cool. That's it. Yeah. We'll say that's it. <laughs> it's his okay. familiar. Okay. His familiar. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's all I had for that one. Okay. Um, I don't know which number I'm on, but <laughs> one of my other highlights is props to the technical crew. Um, cinematography, music, choreography was 
all good in this episode. Um, the episode was just beautiful. The locations were so lush. I think they've gotten some better locations than last year because last year was nice, but it, it, it seriously looked to me like um, they could have filmed it up in the mountains from where I live here. And right, right. And this time they have these really lush green places, that beautiful waterfall where Yeskir was bathing. Um, just gorgeous. <laughs> Someone's mad at my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> And um, when they arrive at Sintra, Siri and Yennefer are standing there. They have this gorgeous shot of the sun setting below Siri. So they're they're shooting at the, what is it called? The the golden hour? You're a photographer. You know Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was beautiful. And the music was great. Um, It was very inspiring. There was a scene that I'm sure I'll get into a little later that that just made me think of Lord of the Rings. And there's a scene when... um, series raising the bridge and i'm like that music sounds so familiar i i just kept banging my head trying to think about what's where i'd heard that song before and i realized as i was watching it a second time it sounds very very similar to the music from how to train your dragon oh okay go back and listen to that scene if you've ever watched how to train your dragon our whole family is a fan of that movie but that that definitely was was taken or just made to sound very similar to that scene. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to check it out. Um, I've got one here that's real quick that I was – both times I watched it, I I hope we get some sort of answer in the next episode because we've got to get more from Rents. But do you think – did he poison Lydia or was it just the fact that it was elder blood? It, it made Lydia collapse and I'm assuming she died? I don't know. Well, that was that part was of my seen. last point is that all the different intrigues on the continent, but that being one of them, um, that he gives mm-hmm. her the blood of Siri, the, the mutagen that they've made from it. So it was either the way they, the the additions they gave to her blood to become a witcher mutagen, because we know that lots of witchers don't right. even survive that um, right. experience with the t- test of the grasses. But also... Um, Triss had told uh, Tissaia that a drop of her blood, you know, could do something. You know, even a drop of her blood is powerful. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, and I had forgotten. You're right. I forgot the blood that was in that vial had been doctored up by Triss and uh, Yesimir, Vesemir to, to make the next Witcher. That's right. I totally forgot about that. It wasn't just her blood in that. Mm-hmm. In that little vial, so that may have been what it what it was. So, but it's going to be interesting in the next episode to see where uh, where Rince is and what he ends up doing, um, because she kept referring to her employer as a him. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if there's somebody else we haven't seen yet, or if she, if it I, I don't know. And so I, we may or may not get this tied up in the next episode. I don't know. Yeah, he I'll said find that out in if about uh, twenty minutes. <laughs> he said that if you, you know, if you do this, if you do this blood tracing, then your employer may show up. And she kind of seemed hopeful, like like she seemed to not think he would show up. She she seems a bit dubious about her employer and if he'll actually, you know, show up for her. And she's like, "Wow, do you think if I do this blood tracing, he'll he'll show up?" So, yeah, I think <laughs> Lydia was a bit ambiguous about whether her employer was really there for her or not. But uh, she probably doesn't need to know now because she's probably writhing in pain on the floor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, what else have we got here? Oh, just um, 
we got a major scene there with uh, we find that there's a change of power in the Brotherhood of Mages. Tissaia is has now set up Vilgefortz as the leader. He's her also her lover. We see those two together, and unfortunately, she she must have done a little bit of pillow talk with Vilgefortz because she tells him about Triss being there and about Triss and Siri. So now the Brotherhood knows about Siri. Um, yeah, just the whole, like, change in dynamics there. Stregobor and, um, Frangilla's uncle, he, they're, they've kind of fallen in power, mm-hmm. I believe, and Vilgefortz and Tissaia have risen in power. Yes, yeah, that was, that was interesting. Um, I had another thought here, and it was, it's kind of another quick one, but that, that whole conversation that Geralt and Yaskier have about Jennifer when Yaskier says that Jennifer, Jennifer lost her power and her magic and Geralt didn't realize that. So he suddenly goes, what? She lost her power. And Yaskier is like, oh, she must have been lying then because he realizes that if Geralt doesn't know that she lost her magic, then she must have been lying to him. But then he tells him she was saying some incantation about a hut before she disappeared. And that's when Geralt figures out that she was in league with the demon, witch, the deathless mother, the Wolof mirror. And I, I love that whole thing when he starts saying the incantation and Yaskier kind of finishes it. And he's like, yeah, that's what she was saying. And Geralt's like, she's in league with the Wolof mirror. <laughs> well, that's why Yaskier thought that she was lying about losing her powers because she just disappeared. He's like, well, how can she disappear if she's lost her powers? Right. And then Geralt figures out that, no, it wasn't that she she didn't disappear by her own power. She disappeared by the power of the Deathless Mother because she was yes. accepting that. Her that invitation. Invite, so. Yes. I love that. Ger- um, Yaskier. Yes. It's funny because uh, Geralt says he, he needs to go get Yaskier so that he can go find Yennefer. But he didn't really need him because, I mean, Yaskier doesn't contribute a whole lot to the battle like the dwarves did. But, you know, he needs his bestie with <laughs> I him. I love that battle. <laughs> I love that battle was so hilarious. And I just love the dwarves like get his kneecap. And then that one guy cuts the, the guy's head off and it flies up into the air, which I'm like, okay, I'll suspend my disbelief that uh, how that would happen. But it just, it made for a wonderful moment when Yaskier catches the head, <laughs> you know, I'm like, how did his head fly up? It was like, it's like the blood spout and push it up. And it doesn't matter. We get this moment of Yaskier catching a head, which is just, brilliant so i loved it and we realize why yaskir is not a soldier (laughs) he is not a soldier he's an artist (laughs) but uh i absolutely love the return of the dwarves i think that was just a wonderful wonderful cameo or whatever to to uh put in there their excitement over seeing Geralt again and the the one guy you know Geralt says where's so and so he owes me money and, <laughs> and Yarpin's like oh he got married and he left the band you know and I'm just like this is great I just I was so excited and I had to I want to go back and rewatch that dragon episode of the first season now there's so many things I want to go back and rewatch the first episode the, the first season about now that uh, I can't wait for it to get finished so I can do that yeah me too um yeah I love well I guess yes did do one thing as you know being Geralt's partner in crime there is, uh, he kind of was his conscience because Geralt was saying, you know, if we find Yennefer and she's hurt Siri, I'll have to kill her. And, and Yaskier's like, well, of 
course we're going to kill her. <laughs> of course we're going to kill her. Yeah. No question about that. But, you know, he says, what if she's changed? And, you know, Ger- Geralt changed and Geralt came back for his friend. And that's what Yaskir said. You know, friends come back for each other. So he was, despite his hatred for Yennefer, he was actually standing up for her a little bit. Yes, I loved I I loved that moment when the battle is over and Yennefer's kind of walking forward, kind of towards Ciri, and he just shink, pulls his sword out and it stops like right before. And then when the when the dwarf asks, you know, whose child is she, and he very pointedly says, "Mine." Like, mm-hmm. no, there is no indication that Yennefer is going to be, you know, unless something changes, he's very adamant that, no, Yennefer, you have now lost your chance to have any any say in this. Now, I hope that changes in the next episode, but we'll have to see. But that, that moment for Geralt, because that's really, if you think about it, from the first season when he found out about the Child of Surprise and he said he never wanted to get it. And that's even what Yaskier says. You never wanted this Child of Surprise. And he's like, yeah, I didn't think I wanted her either, basically. But now we get him actually, we get her, you know, saying in the middle of the episode saying that she's like a, that he's like a father to her and him now claiming her. Mm-hmm. Not just, not, he's like, no, she's mine. Yeah. That's my child. Yeah. I thought was just amazing. Yeah, he's not just her protector, you know, he he sees himself as her father. And yeah, that's sweet, because I think this, um, like both seasons, we've we've mentioned that they, they have a, this running theme of, of progeny and and family, you know, and, and he, this is his family now, like Siri is his life, and he would, he would die for her, you know, he'd do anything for her. And, you know, having two girls, Myself, my husband, would be the same, you know, that very protective father who would do anything for their child. Yeah, I don't I don't have any children, but I have there's at least there's one. uh, She's a friend, but definitely I have that in my life, someone who I would definitely protect and and, uh, uh, yeah, do anything for just about. Yeah, that's my kid. You know, (laughs) she's like my kid. Wonderful. (laughs) Um, any other notes that we haven't talked about? Um, just looking through my stuff here. Oh, um, when I was talking about the cinematography and how beautiful it is, the music and everything, I I do have one criticism. I am not fond of Henry Cavill's contact lenses. Those, especially <laughs> when he was standing in the jail cell with Yaskir. Those look like the cheap $30 contacts you can buy at, at Halloween to go with your Halloween costume. <laughs> I mean, sometimes they look great because they have this almost like glowing fire to them. They're they're a little more amber, but they were straight up ugly yellow in the jail. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, oh god, yeah. get that man some better contacts. <laughs> Costume department. Uh, I think all of mine have been covered pretty much. Um, I didn't really have anything else to mention. Let's see if I missed anything in my notes or in my points um yeah we talked about rinse talked about frangilla uh i think that vilgaford is definitely playing to saya because we know from season one that that uh he's a little shady that dude Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah the return of the dwarves um 
Yeah, I think everything I've thought, we talked about Dara backing out of being Dykstra's spy and Dykstra talking about that, saying that, well, we've heard, we've got everything we need from him. And we talked about rents and there's going to be more for rents, I'm sure, in the future. Um, What about you? Any other notes we haven't talked about? Uh, Let's see. I've got some notes here. (laughs) You talked about the female dwarf. (laughs) That was one of the scenes that cracked me up. Yaskir has an admirer. <laughs> they run across the doors, and, and he looks back at her, and she's giving him, you know, the sweet girly eyes and the smile. <laughs> we get to yeah, see a, a very rarely seen female dwarf, and yes, they do have beards just like the other dwarves. Yeah, and Yaskir kind of runs away from her. So. <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene was hilarious. He goes and he grabs some food and he's talking to the elves and they're talking to, to Geralt and uh, he puts something in his mouth and he just like <laughs> lets it drop out again. <laughs> that whole scene was, was golden. And then, um, yeah, uh, another one is Geralt gets a gorgeous new horse from the dwarves. Yes. The most beautiful mane I've ever seen. And he says, well, you're not normally my type, but that go- that horse is gorgeous. So his, he must not have a type. His type must not be gorgeous, dark, black horses. Well, you know, Roach was more of a brown kind yes. of just short hair kind of. So, but I love the dwarf saying, yeah, that one's too big for us anyway. So I'm like, how did they get it then? Like, why do they have it at all? Like, it's uh, pretty convenient they've got it. But, okay, I'll go with it. You know, there's there's too much that I love about this show to, to nitpick those that kind of thing. Well, Roach was a mare, and I have a feeling that this this new horse is a stallion. He's he's big, ah. so he's very big for a mare if it is a mare. Um, Yennefer is half-elven. Why is she the only one who has violet eyes? Like, None of the elves that we've seen have violet eyes. Siri doesn't have violet eyes. They said that that in the first season that was one of the indicators that she's part elven is her violet eyes. Okay, I didn't remember that, but that's that is interesting. That yeah, if she why don't why haven't we seen any other? Maybe that's maybe that's the whole point of the 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 blood uh, not being pure. Maybe anymore, you know. Yeah. Well, I think, or I think it's just like low budget on the costume department side because yeah, yeah. Geralt is the only witcher with yellow eyes. Why don't the other witchers have yellow eyes? Or it could be one of those things. Like I remember, I, I remember some writings talking about writing on the X-Files where they said there was like a story point that some writer put in, just randomly put in his script that nobody really paid any attention to that had like major ramifications for the entire series. Like, so it may have been something like that, that some writer may have put that in there that elves have violet eyes and nobody else has caught up on it and gone like, oh yeah, we should have some elves with violet eyes, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, and just the last thing is I love how Tissaia is standing up for her g- girls there. She tells Vilgeford, you know, I don't like putting my girls in trouble unnecessarily. And her conversation with Triss and poor Triss, she finally realizes that, that Geralt's been in love with Yennefer this whole time because she finds out through Tissaia that, that he and Ciri showed up at Sodden and they were looking for Yennefer. Mm-hmm. I think she gets a little heartbroken yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so we've got some quotes here. Let's see. I've only got a couple. Um, 
<laughs> when uh, at the very beginning of the episode, we're seeing the aftermath of the attack. Uh, Ninika looks at that that uh, broken orb thing, and she says, "Hmm." She says, "Hmm," not him. She says, "Hmm." How did it break? And Geralt's answer is, "She does that to things." <laughs> yeah, and uh, I've have a few because every time Yasker's in an episode, <laughs> we get some gems <laughs> like this one when he's uh, bathing in the cold river, and he says, "You could hang portraits off my nipples right now." <laughs> Um, my last one is just, uh, from, uh, it's general dickhead when uh, they're talking about the, the elves and he says, Oh grand, we're larding up with pointies who either can't hold their drink or follow orders. <laughs> right. Who needs to know his name? He died anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the scene when, uh, Yarpin is talking to Geralt and he's like, okay, and you're going to get a really bad Scottish impression because I just have to. So... Our friend Lucy in the group, in our, in our shared uh, friend group who is Scottish, you can, you can uh, hold this against me now. <laughs> Yarpin says to Geralt, What's the mission if you don't mind me asking? Geralt says, I do. And Yarpin's response is, The secret kind, my favorite. <laughs> Continues on with, Come on, boys, the king can wait. We're going on an adventure. <laughs> Which I absolutely I love, love. Oh my god. That just, the music swells and I got such Lord of the Rings vibes. It was amazing. Yes, yes. I loved, I loved that scene. I had that in my quotes and when I saw that you had the whole thing, I was just going to let you, let you have it because that just, we're going on an adventure was just <laughs> absolutely outstanding. The secret kind, my favorite. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, you're imitating Geralt. When he talks to him about, you know, he's, he, yeah, 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 you're always talking and says, oh, yes, dear, I'm so sad and complicated. <laughs> I, I loved, I loved that after Geralt's like, like, like says something back to him and yes, you like, you got to admit that was a really good impression or something, <laughs> something like that. It like, was lovely. <laughs> And of course, the last one, uh, Siri goes up to Yeskir so he could take her back to Kermor, and he tries to introduce himself, and she just grumpily walks past him. <laughs> He's like, like father, like daughter. Love that was another one of those moments that I love, and it was just you know, that, and we could talk about it now because that ending of the episode, like I said, here in a few minutes, I'm going to watch the next episode because I can't wait to see. But that. The way they showed those embers kind of going mm. into her ear or into her mouth or however, the and, and we hear the, the chuckle of the Deathless Mother and we see her eyes kind of change and just that look on, on Siri's face that was so perfectly played that I was just like, oh, this is serious now. Like, yes, the deathless mother's got her, and uh, and it's so funny that she's she's been kind of the low key villain this entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her whole goal was yeah, to get we, out, and we realized that we learned that she was. You were right when you assumed it from what season or the episode one where where Vesemir was talking to Siri about the demon that the first witchers had to imprison in a hut. That was her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, and I was I was scared that this was going to be so. I hope we have some maybe there's some sort of Witcher exorcism uh, ritual that they can get her out of her or, or what. I hope it doesn't have to harm Siri. Yeah. To uh, to get her out, but uh, I'm hoping they call oof. on the other Witchers if they have to imprison her again, though, because we need to see those guys in action. Yeah, and you know, Geralt says I'm going to kill a monster. 
And that's one of the things they didn't do originally. They weren't able to kill her. So I think how is he? Yeah, I just I can't wait to see this last episode and see how how we resolve all these things. Yeah. So I didn't see any feedback um, this week. So hopefully we can get some feedback for next week. And uh, I didn't I haven't dug into the news. Maybe next week I'll try to dig into some of the news of season three to see if that's been progressing. Um I do have one podcast recommendation, and that is Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I listened to – he interviewed Courtney Cox, and uh, she talks about the Bruce Springsteen video that basically set off her career. And uh, it's just a really good interview with him. He also is – I'm currently listening to – he's interviewing Angie Harmon, who if you know, she was on Law & Order and Rizzoli and Isles and uh, things like that. And she's just a a wonderful – person to listen to and i can't wait i'm going to follow her start following her on some of her social media because sounds like she's fascinating but inside of you with michael rosenbaum nice i'll have to check it out um my recommendation this week is behind the scenes it's a netflix netflix produced podcast um they basically use it whenever a lot whenever they have a new series coming out and they kind of go behind the scenes um they do have one for season two of the witcher which is just kind of a wrap-up so i haven't listened to that one yet but if you are interested go back and listen to i think maybe they've got four or five episodes when the witcher first came out last year they've got a lot of interesting uh segments like on uh the three different character, the three our three main characters, Jennifer, Geralt, and Siri, but they also have a great episode about the music of The Witcher, and it was really intriguing about how they came up with all the the background music uh, for The Witcher using some pretty modern instruments and also some older medieval instruments. All right, very cool, very cool. So why don't you tell us, Laura, how uh, how some of our listeners can hear us? Yeah, I'm sorry. We can be heard on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast player of choice that you use. If ratings are available, give us a rating or a review on one of those platforms. You can check out our website, which is Panels2PixelsPodcast.com. That's Panels2PixelsPodcast.com. All spelled out in one big, long word, Panels2PixelsPodcast. And you can submit any theories or feedback on our Facebook group. And please do, since the finale is coming up. That is at facebook.com slash panels, two pixels, the T-O spelled out in the middle. And we are on Twitter at panels, two pixels. That's panels, the number two, and then pixels. Email us at panels, T-O, two pixels, number one at gmail.com. Panels, two pixels, numeral one at gmail.com. We are on YouTube at Panels 2 Pixels Podcast. You can go on there. You can subscribe, give us a thumbs up, and uh, throw a rating up there as well. If we get a chance to give you a shout out, we will. We're on Instagram at Panels 2 Pixel Podcast. You can check out all the other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, which is <laughs> our good friend Ben Beck has, has been doing quite a bit of work on Wilhelm. Uh, the Milting Pat is one is another one, Podcast Zero, and there's so many more. You can go to nextlevelradioonline.com to see all of those. Next time, we will continue with The Witcher Season 2 Finale, Episode 8, entitled Family. 
Okay, Laura, everyone has been waiting. We <laughs> talked about it before we started recording, and now you have your opportunity to give your podcast proposal, and that's hard to say, podcast proposal of the week. Podcast proposal of the week. I was trying to come up with some ideas for dumb podcasts, so all I could come up with was a dumb ideas podcast. My daughter helped me with this one, and she said, uh, do a podcast about people who pour milk into their cereal bowl and then the cereal, which she thinks is a dumb idea. So <laughs> Each week, someone can submit a dumb idea, <laughs> and we can rate it up or down <laughs> on a scale of one to ten of whether it's a dumb idea or not. I love it. I love it. And uh, Daphne and I will be continuing our, our discussion about uh, Snowpiercer Season 3. We've got uh, four episodes left now, so I'll have a little bit of time where I'm, I'm we're going to wrap up The Witcher next week, and then we'll have two or three weeks of just Snowpiercer, and then I think Mark and I are going to cover Moon Knight at the end of this month. Oh, so you'll get a little bit of a break. You won't have to do double duty. Yeah, I won't have to do double duty for a bit, and uh, it'll be nice. And then uh, I'll get back to letting Mark host, and I can just <laughs> cruise <laughs> do the side saddle thing. Yeah. Very nice. So, thank you all for for listening. I'm Steve, and I'm Laura, and this was Panels to Pixels, and we will see you on the next panel. Good night. Good night. <laughs>